0: Welcome to The Bulb, a podcast shedding light on gendered violence. In each edition, we'll explore aspects of this violence what is thought about it, what we know about it, or what is yet to be revealed. The Bulb is a podcast series brought to you by the Queensland Centre for Domestic and Family Violence Research. Thank you for joining us as we share knowledge to improve the lives of women and their children. Today I'm joined by Randall Ross from North and West Remote Health. And Randall is a a long-time friend of the Centre. And today Randall's going to share with our listeners some of his perspectives on this topic of working with men. Randall, it's always lovely to see you. And today um, I get to see you and hear you, but our listeners, of course, will only be hearing you. So welcome to The Bulb. Uh, I think you're going to, in the first instance, just share with our listeners another one of your names and a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you, Colleen. And um, can I first just uh, pay my respects to all those traditional owners where this program may be broadcast and um, and for all those that are listening, just to pay our respects with their ancestors as well as their uh, uh, past, present and future leaders. Um, so it's important I just do that as a part of my role. Um, yeah, look... Uh, I do have um, another name situated, and, and that's to associate with my skin name. My skin name is um, Wabana Bunbury Jabanunga. Um, Bunbury Jabanunga is two of my skin names. Um, here on the east coast, where I am as a part of my tribe, um, part of our Bindul and Juru, um, my uh, skin name is Bunbury. And when I'm in the desert, uh, particularly in the Tanami Desert, um, I fit under the eight skin, skin system. And as a part of the eight skin system, my name is Jabananga. So um, uh, on the East Coast where I am, it's a four skin system, but in the, in the desert, it's an eight skin system, but the four skin system still fits under the eight skin system. So I'm talking traditional terms there as a part of traditional knowledge, just sharing that. So people have an understanding. So yeah, so uh, as a part of my skin name, um, Uh, I am uh, from Townsville, Uh, I've I've grown up um, in places in Julia Creek, uh, out west, Julia Creek, Cloncurry and Mount Isa, Um, and then also um, have lived in New South Wales, I've travelled around a fair bit, lived in New South Wales a good 10 years, came back home and then I went to live in the desert, I spent a good six, seven months in the desert, um, particularly in the Tanemwine Desert, um, in Western Australia, in the Kimberleys and um, and then back home to towns also yeah, I'll be, I've journeyed far and wide. Um, many would also know me as a part of the uh, co-founder of a program called uh, Red Dust Healing, um, which I'm still proud of and um, still a part of uh, operating around Queensland and other parts um, of Australia. Uh, also in my uh, current role with Northwest Remote Health. Um, so I, um, I'm a part of uh, working in 40 communities, helping with 40 communities, uh, with many of our services being delivered um, from Northwestern Remote Health. So we've had allied health specialists, um, NDIS, uh, home care support. We did have aged care as a part of that, uh, mental health, as well as uh, wellbeing, um, our social emotional wellbeing um, as a part of that. And then I do often get uh, requests um, to To do a bit of red dust healing here and there as well. So, um, but there there are my uh, like uh, key roles um, as a part of where I am um, and situated. And uh, yes, and I still work uh, quite heavily involved working with men, um, not only locally but uh, around the state as well as nationally as well. Um, and I do do talk to men internationally as well.
0: Thank you, Randall, and thank you for that acknowledgement. And uh, you. Listeners will appreciate why I didn't try and tackle saying your name correctly. So thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting. And you're obviously a man of diverse talents who's, who's covered a lot of miles. And I'm glad you brought up the issue of um, red dust healing and the topic of red dust healing, because one of the reasons we're exploring this theme of working with men in this season of The Bulb is because there's been such a growth and in interest in this area of working with men, particularly in terms of research and policy developments, but more broadly too, we think. Why, why do you think there seems to be an increased interest in perpetrator interventions or working with men?
1: Yeah, look, um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, there has to be a lot of um, questions asked. Uh, what has been working for perpetrators out there? Um, and there are many things that have been tried, and there are many things um, that have been successful. But the the, the real question, I guess, is um, has it been sustainable? Um, and that's been the real challenging question. For when we see you know programs working uh, for perpetrators, um, there's there is some degree of success. Um, but we know, like I said, with the challenges. Um, and then there's been, you know, support or the lack of support um, for perpetrators out there as well. And I guess, you know, until I guess this is really whether it's looked at or um, you know, research more. I don't think uh, there's going to be too much, you know, changing for our perpetrators. And I guess that's why, hence, you know, not much is changing. As a part of everyone we look, you know, there's still domestic violence rates. There's still um, family violence rates still increasing. So, uh, you know, there has to be a question uh, like you just asked. Um, as a part of perpetrators, uh, is there much happening? Is there much, you know, uh, what what is why is it still increasing? I guess from my side of it, um, uh, why why is the focus on perpetrators? And I guess. The, the, just the use of the term of, of perpetrator uh, has to be a barrier or a stigma for many men out there as well.
0: Randall, what are your observations about the current situation for individuals affected by family violence?
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Look, yeah, out there, um, I see, like I said, there is a lot of funding support for women and children. That is one of the main things I have to highlight that is going well out there. You know, I see a lot of jails being built. You know, and to me, it's not a, it's not, it's not one of those things that are going well. But what it is is that the more the building of more jails is seeing the housing of more, many more men. You know, and when I see more jails being introduced, I see a lot more in young Indigenous men, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men, being jailed in the future. Um, we can already see the alarming rate of men being jailed, but. What's one of the disturbing things is that our women are starting to increase in being jailed. Um, And a lot of this too is still around, you know, family violence, um, which is sad because unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of our women, you know, grow up seeing that hurt as well. And unfortunately, when they do get older and get in those relationships, unfortunately, a lot of that hurt themselves has to come out and they take it out on their loved ones. So I do see the increase of women as well as you know, predominantly many men still um, ending up in institutions. I guess um, you know politicians. Um, this can be a good thing. This can be a bad thing. You know, I know there's politicians. Um, you know, colonisation hasn't been kind to many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but but also many of the non-indigenous people.
0: Randall, I'm wondering if you could explain more about your thinking about the impacts of colonisation
1: people have to understand how colonisation worked. So colonisation worked right at the beginning when they brought many of their convicts over. In um, the process, how they brought them over um, was unique because they separated men from women and children when they put them on the boats. But yet when they came to Australia and started to colonise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, they followed that same process of separating men and women and children. Um, so what you're seeing, you know, is that there's... I guess being, when I say politicians or a political system and a system that still continues to work today, where you're seeing men being separated from women and children, that's I guess that's the understatement I'm trying to, to highlight as a part of those political systems still working today.
0: So, Randall, how would you characterise the situation for men today?
1: There's still a lack of funding support for men. Um, you know, men men have to struggle. To find support men have to um you know try and look for support um you know from within their community uh it's funding is, is is difficult funding is difficult for many men out there um you know we we know we have men's sheds but men's sheds only serve you know a particular purpose um, yes it does allow for men to come uh, but it doesn't allow for aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men from across the communities. It it doesn't create that safe space or safe environment for them to come in and sit down and talk because they still have that mindset um, of the coloniser. And it's hard to deal with how they want to express or talk um, about those issues that are affecting them. There really isn't too much well that is going out there for particularly men. And I'm talking about not only Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men, I'm talking about all men.
0: You've mentioned men in prison, Randall. Do you have any comments about the programs available there for men?
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, just looking at some of the, the prison programs um, and some of them out there, you know, don't really uh, allow much of that. Um, when you're looking at uh, that cultural therapy training or you know, much of that intergenerational training um, in relation to being run by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Uh, there are many programs out there, and many of them come in from a perspective of mainstream rather than from an Indigenous uh, when you're looking at you know, things such as narrative therapy, um, intergenerational, like I said, training, uh, dealing with trauma, uh, but from a cultural perspective. And these are the types of programs that you need to implement and develop. Um, sometimes there are still restrictions within the prison systems and um, exactly what can they bring in and what what do they bring in. Um, and that's where you still see many men struggling in there because, like I said, they want to deal with a lot of that hurt, but there's not the right programs or the appropriate programs that are operating within institutions or in the prisons. And and that's, that's both, um, you know, adult correctionals as well as juvenile correctionals, you know. So we've got to look at what is... More culturally appropriate to be to to be operating within um, within those uh, institutions because the programs themselves have got to be able to challenge the young people. It's also got to be able to challenge the young men and women um, in those in those particular um, institutions, and that's why um, sometimes some of the programs uh, they're not um, specifically catered to deal with those they're just they're just uh, programs that have been mainstream developed mainstream orientated and you know uh, many of our people particularly like I said with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people they don't really take too well to many of the mainstream questions because one of the, many of those programs target the mind um, and the problem is many of our people think with our hearts so there's not too many programs out there that are, that are targeting the heart rather than the mind so um, that's, I guess, when you look at programs, that's, that's one of the challenges you've got to look at, is how do we develop that particular program that reaches the heart and not just the mind? Like I said, the, the word, you know, perpetrator, too, you know, perpetrator still, you know, has a big part of being labelled or, or that stigma around it, just like mental health does. Um, you know, so seeing a perpetrator or, or defining them as a perpetrator, it's like, keeping them confined and keeping them controlled um, under that particular term um, with perpetrator. Uh, You know, there still has to be challenging the mindsets. We can come back to looking at is how do we change our mindsets, Um, you know, working around this particular or with men in particular.
0: Thanks, Randall. And I think um, just to pick up on your point there about speaking working from the heart uh, the idea of of healing people's hearts and healing families i wonder if you could tease out for the listeners a little bit more about your thinking around this this topic
1: yeah look um you know healing um you know we've been a part of running uh, red dust healing nationally for the last uh, 15 years internationally as well but um there's, there's so much to, as a part of healing. Healing comes in many forms, um, but I'm going to go back and explain healing from a traditional sense as well. Healing, um, uh, under our traditional knowledge, uh, to operate, um, there are three worlds that we, we walk in or we work in. Um, there's our human world, there's our physical world, and there's our sacred world, Under the sacred world itself. Sacred world is a part of dealing with the spirit, and dealing with that spirit also comes healing. So even in um, uh, our communities today, we still have Nunkreys, we still have Marvin, our traditional healers, uh, but there is also, you know, healing is coming in many forms now because we have to look at uh, healing uh, the deep trauma that many are carrying. Each and every one of us, you know, that are listening out there, we all have our own story. It doesn't matter who we are, whether we're young or old, uh, black or white, but we all have our own story, man or woman. Um, Every one of us come with our own story. But that story sometimes with that deep hurt affects us. As a child growing up, we encounter that hurt. And um, when we encounter that hurt, sometimes uh, when we try to cope or deal with that hurt, um, when we encounter it as a child, uh, sometimes we tend to not realise, we we actually um, get stuck in that mindset of dealing with that hurt as, as, as a child. So let me give you an example. Um, You know, when that hurt first comes, particularly if it's domestic violence, sometimes, you know, um, uh, we would lock ourselves away in the cupboard, you know, just to cope with the pain or cope cope with the hurt. Um, But as we grow up um, and sometimes we, you know, we encounter that, again, as we're growing up, that domestic violence and sometimes now as an adult, you know, here we are. Um, practicing that domestic violence. And this is where, without us realizing, for us to cope with that pain instead of locking ourselves up in in cupboards or away in closets, you know, uh, another form of of locking ourselves up is sending ourselves to prison um, or putting ourselves in prison and so we're away from our loved ones, um, you know, and we don't realize, you know, um, sometimes we can still be trapped or in that mindset of dealing, you know, what we how we dealt with it when we were young, trying to cope with the pain or trying to cope with the hurt. Um, like I said, we locked ourselves away in that cupboard or that hurt, but as we get older, we tend to lock ourselves away in the prison. We're away from everybody, again, but not realising we're still we're still carrying that uh, that mindset of a child where, you know, we try to encounter or deal with that, sorry, uh, where we encounter that pain, but try to deal with that pain. Um, and that's why... Um, sometimes too we can still can continue on with that 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 hurt from our childhood um, that we carry and that's important to understand because healing to heal it we've got to start to deal with it and we've got to start to name it uh, because if we don't start to name it then we can't um, uh, we don't tend to deal with it and that's why you know we've got to be able to be honest and be true to ourselves because that's what it's about it has to take truth and only truth can make us free and that's why um, we have to be true to ourselves by naming it so we can start to deal with it Um, and that's where as a part of that healing um, and like i said uh, once we start to deal with it name it then it's important
0: could you please share with our listeners randall a little taste of red dust healing and its approach to change
1: in the red dust healing, we've always talked about having tools. Um, and an example of the red dust healing has been um, what we've always used. And um, my uh, brother and good friend there, Tom Tom Powell, um, always talks about that uh, motor car. And when that car, um, you know, we can hear that it's chugging along and we know the carburetor is, is, is uh, blocked. Uh, But if we haven't got the tools, we can't fix it. And that's why it's important that, um, you know, uh, it's important to have tools to fix the problems. Um, And that's what we have to look at in our own lives. So how do we fix the problems in our own lives? And that's why through healing, it's about developing appropriate tools that people can use to help fix the problems in their lives. So it's, it's more or less, in not only empowering them to become the solution, but it's also them being the solution to their problems. Um, you know, I can't fix them, um, Tom can't fix them, um, anybody else can't fix them, but it's them, you know, the only those with the problem, um, they have to become the solution and, and that means changing, you know. Um, so having tools and then having the mindset to change, it's important because um, if they don't change, the, you know, and this is where I challenge many men, many women, um, to change your situation or your circumstance, only you can become the change. It's very important. Um, you know, and there were many statements in the past. Uh, many other famous writers, uh, when I say writers, I mean, um, you know, there's been philosophers that have even said the same. Stephen Hawke states, uh, intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. You know, Gandhi. Gandhi himself said, to change the world, you must become the change. Um, and even under our cultural law as a part of healing, um, when I use that cultural covenant, Chukupa, we have a statement that says we all have the ability to adapt to change. So that ability is in everybody, you know, not just Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people, that's in everybody, that ability to adapt to change. But we have to understand that. How do we change, you know? Um, but change starts with ourselves. That's the first and foremost. It doesn't, you know, change doesn't start with others. It starts with us. Um, and that's why, um, you know, it's so important to help people understand, help them realize um, how important that um, that change is. Um, yeah, and that's why uh, uh, healing, like I said, it comes in many forms. And there's, you know, there's many being on country, just going out on country, just sitting down beside that river, sitting under that tree, sitting, you know, um, uh, you know, there are many forms of healing, and uh, and people have to, you know, um, if they want to see true change, they have to, you know, strive for that healing or fight for that healing, you know, because, uh, like I said, only you can become the change Um, that's why healing is so important Um, and there's so many out there Um, you know we're still dealing with the effects uh, of the not only transgenerational trauma um, that's you know happened since colonization but there are still many Australians out there Um, they have many of their own you know that they need to be healed to as well because um, they need to understand their history they need to to you know they want to Link back to their past as well, and they want to. They need to know and understand where they come from as well, as a part of going forward. And that's how we are as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It is important to understand, to know where we come from, so we know where we're going, um, to have direction in our own lives, to have responsibility in our lives. Most importantly, to to understand what our purpose is. Um, you know, and that's why it's 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 important to. Um, you know why healing is so important.
0: How do you maintain your motivation when this work may be so challenging,
1: Randall? It is. It's very. It is very rewarding um, when when you see people change. Um, you know, and and it's important to understand. You know, I'm not. You know, I don't. Neither myself nor Tom, we we don't take the credit for it. You know because. We have to give them all the credit because it's the people, um, men and women and young people who have come through the program. um, They, we see them make the change. So, you know, that's what satisfies us: is that when we can see people changing their own lives, um, uh, it is amazing. And you know, and and I guess one of the things as a practitioner is that, you know, you don't have to go through. you know, a range of systems. You don't have to, um, to, you know, um, to look for answers because the answers is right in front of them. Um, and that's when they start to realise and understand um, that with their own two hands, they can make the change. And then that's when you see people, like I said, you you, you don't see people go back to jails for, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years. That, that's amazing um, when you don't see you know when you see men you know going back to their families or, or taking up the responsibilities of father being a father um, that's that's rewarding because you know people have um, starting to realize understand their roles what what they are and I guess that's that's the more you know the rewarding things that you can see is people um, you know, making those changes themselves. People empowering themselves. People, um, you know, um, understanding what their purpose is, understanding what their roles are. Um, people, like I said, it's um, uh, is re- rewarding to to literally, um, yeah. As, as a practitioner, to see those those um, you know those changes happening before you. Um, just last week, um, I walked into a um, uh, cafe. Uh, yeah, shop here in Townsville and um, yeah, I saw this group of people walking and, and um, while I was in the shop, this man runs all the way in the shop um, and he comes up and he gives me a hug and shakes my hand and um, and I'm trying to picture his face and he's, here he is saying, um, you know, I just want to thank you, he said, because you made me realise my role um uh, as a young man is to be a father and here is a young man that was been has been released from prison um, and you know you can see the joy, complete joy over his face because um, he now was spending time with his children and he said, um, he said, I love my children and he said, now I, I realise, um, you know, uh, my role as a father is to to be around my children and to help my children grow up um you know like i said those things yeah you, you know you you are happy um just to see uh, you know people's people's own change in their own lives that's the rewarding part of it you know um yeah you know, and, and and it's um as a practitioner that's what you want to see but you know unfortunately um, even in, in as a practitioner, you, you still are limited. You can, you know, and what you can do as well, you know, um, you know. And that's why I said one of those limitations. It might be um, support, having support to get out there to to work with with men, um, having support to get out there to work with women, um, having support to to get out there to work with young people. But but that's um, you know that's what we we just continue to work with. Um, And then when the opportunities do arise, we take those opportunities, you know, um, uh, to work with those people. And that's why I said, um, I mentioned earlier that mindsets, mindsets, and it's important. Um, We have to still educate uh, many of our politicians. We have to educate many of our systems, Um, you know, not that. You know that in itself will be a challenge because the system is used the way the system runs and operates um you know they don't like to see you know um too much change coming from within the grassroots and that's why uh you have to you know you have to show them um as a part of evidence base that people can change they have to understand um everybody has a story um some good and some bad but unfortunately people can change from those bad too as well um but we have to keep fighting that, fighting that um, fight to to prove um, as practitioners people can change, um, you know, and and for the for the not only for themselves but for their families as well.
0: Randall, it's been really interesting having you on the bulb today. And finally, since the bulb, as its name implies, is all about shining light, can you share with our listeners your thoughts on what you see ahead in terms mm-hmm. of future work with men?
1: Yeah, look, um, it's it's important to understand. Um, when I say healing, healing must come, you know, um, for everybody. doesn't matter who we are. Um, but if we are going to work with families, you have to go back to the foundation of family. Um, and to work with the foundation of family, you have to go back to work with men. Um, You've got to remember, I mentioned in the early part of the interview, that colonisation, even as a part of, uh, you know, the convicts, they practiced removing their own men from their women and children, they took them from their own lands, they took them from their own families, um, you know, and when they came here to Australia, they knew exactly what to do, and they still practice the removing of men from women and children. So to heal that family, we must start with men again. We must go back to start with the foundation. We must heal our men, um, so we can bring change back within our families. If you imagine if we can rebuild our communities, then we can eventually rebuild our nation. But it's important that they understand their number one role in life uh, in the future, um, today, um, in the past, has always been to be a father. Um, and that's what we're missing in our families today. And that's why it's important for the future to help our men. You know, um, we need our men to change uh, and we need our men to understand with change, to understand what their purpose and their role is, and that is to be fathers. Um, a great theme for, for this year is NATO's theme is to heal our nation. Um, you know, a great theme as a part of healing our nation, healing our country. The National Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Children's Day theme, you know, um, uh, strong spirit, proud culture. Um, You know, it's all to do with help rebuilding, um, not only our children but our family. And to heal our nation, we need our men. We need our men in place. We need all men in place, so we can heal our nation as a whole. And I'm talking about Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander, South Sea Islander. I'm talking about um, all men. Australians as well. Uh, But it's important to understand what our number one role is, fatherhood.
0: Randall, thank you so much for giving so generously of your time today. I'm sure our listeners are going to deeply appreciate hearing your words and your passion certainly comes through the airwaves. And you've been a champion for a lot of years now, and we hope that you will continue to be a champion for many more. And thank you so much for being on The Bulb with us today.
1: Colleen, it's been a pleasure. And um, I want to thank you um, and the show, The Bulb, and the, you know, the years of support from Central Queensland University. Um, I just love the fact uh, what, what the whole vision is about, the whole aim, um, and you know, uh, working with all of our generations out there in, across Australia. Thank you very much.
0: We hope you found this edition of The Bulb Enlightening. Lightning. If you'd like to know more about our work, please visit noviolence.org.au. For victims and survivors of gendered violence who may have found the content of this podcast disturbing, free confidential 24-hour counseling is available nationally on one 737 732 through 1-800-RESPECT. If you would like to know more about responding to domestic and family violence, CQ University offers a range of postgraduate and other study options. Visit cqu.edu.au and search courses for Domestic Violence to learn more.